This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Stand Up For The Truth, and we appreciate those of you who have been sharing our podcasts on social media, uh, the program with Gary Ka on uh, globalism yesterday and uh, COVID-19 and how that's being used to advance different agendas, it seems. Um, very popular show, so thank you so much. Um, we've got a very exciting first-time guest today talking about a very important issue, and that would be idolatry when it comes to sexuality. And so we can't wait to get to our guest, but first let's open in prayer. Father, um, we need wisdom today and, and every day, Lord, and we rely on you. And we thank you, God, that we can know truth. We thank you that we can trust and put our hope and faith in a, in a God that can be known and that we know there is truth, Lord, and that truth anchors us. And we need that today when moral relativism reigns, when there's so much confusion in our culture, in our world, and we have to come back to the foundation, Lord, so help us do that. Help us come back to the gospel. And help us to be proclaimers and defenders of the truth. We love you, Father. Thank you for your grace that saved us and set us free. We thank you for choosing us in Christ. And to choose us to go and bear fruit, help us to do that, Lord. Help us to bear fruit in our daily lives. Um, we thank you for calling us. And it's a privilege and honor to serve you, Lord. We lift up this hour to you. We pray for those that need encouragement, that you would touch their hearts right now and give them the encouragement and the strength they need. And for those that need to be challenged, Lord, in their faith or in their theology, help them be open to what you might want to speak to them today. Prepare all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's special guest, Christopher Yuan, has taught at uh, the Moody Bible Institute for over 10 years, and his speaking ministry on faith and sexuality has reached five continents. He has co-authored a book with his mother, uh, their memoir, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. Now, this details his dramatic conversion from an agnostic gay man who put his identity in his sexuality, to a Bible professor who now puts his identity in Christ alone. Christopher graduated from Moody Bible Institute 2005, Wheaton College Graduate School 2007, with a Master of Arts in Biblical Exegesis, and received his Doctorate of Ministry in 2014 from Bethel Seminary. And Dr. Yuan's newest book is what we're going to talk about today. It's called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. And uh, Dr. Christopher Yuan, we're so blessed to have you on Standard for the Truth today. Welcome, brother. Oh, thanks for having me on, Dave. Thank you so very much. Um, now, w there are different Bethel seminaries. Did you go to one in Minnesota, Chicago area? Which one did you uh, graduate from? Yeah, I went to the one up there in uh, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, th you've been on such a journey, and your story yeah, is so sure. inspiring to me personally because um, I have been writing about this issue of sexuality for years, many years, mm. And um, it's so sad. And I want to get your take on this. Before we get into your testimony, Christopher, it must be heartbreaking to you to see how our culture has gone from accepting whatever form of sexuality except for biblical sexuality to the point of promoting mm -hmm. ABC culture, anything but Christ. And that would be in the public schools. That would be our government. That would be our media and especially Hollywood. Um, how do you deal with that coming from someone of your background? Well, I mean, you know, as you see it, it's, you know, it is, it is very concerning. It's, it can, uh, you know, as, as you see the, um, promotion and as you see the celebration yes. of things that, that do not 
honor the Lord. So it's, I mean, it, it actually can be quite frustrating as well. Mm. But you know, what it does for me is it confirms what God has called me to do. And mm. that is just to preach Christ and him alone. Amen. You know, that is the hope that we have. You know, there's no political agenda. There's no government. There's no law that is going to, you know, bring the answer. It is only Christ it is only the body of Christ that's going to bring the gospel to the lost. You know, so anyway, for me, it's, it definitely can bring me down, <laughs> but it also, it, it actually invigorates me to, to go and keep doing what, what God has called me and you and, and every believer to do. Amen. The gospel, uh, we've got to get back to the beginning, and that is uh, preaching the gospel, discipleship. We've gotten a little uh, a little away from that in the American church, particularly mm. when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, when the purpose of pastors, teachers, were, was to equip the saints for ministry. And yeah. uh, you, you can tell by the Barna and the Pew and all the polls and all the research that's been done that a lot of saints, especially in America, are not fully equipped as they should be. I want to go back to your story now, Christopher. Uh, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with your testimony, it is so powerful. Um, <laughs> you were arrested. You were, I think, I believe you were selling uh, drugs or something. I'll let you tell the details. And uh, you had uh, rebelled and you fell away from your family. Tell us about your family background and your relationship with your parents and the road that led you to be really a prodigal. You know, Dave, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I'm, I'm from Chicago, so, you know, we're, we're <clears throat> kind of neighbors in that sense yes. in the Midwest. <laughs> but my parents weren't Christian. They raised me with very traditional Chinese values, which means strong family values. But I wrestled with my sexuality from a young age. Unfortunately, I, I came across pornography at a young age mm. from a, even, and it was a family friend. It was a trusted family friend. But I kept those hidden through high school, college, even the Marine Corps Reserves. I finally came out in my early 20s. So I'm, I'm born in 1970. And so at that time, sexuality, every, there, was, there was a lot of stigma around that. So I did not open up about that. Mm -hmm. It was, wasn't until my early 20s that I finally uh, just said, this is who I am. I moved from Chicago at that time to Louisville, Kentucky. I was Pursuing my doctorate in dentistry, uh, my father's a dentist, and I thought, I, I want to be a dentist as well. And it was after my first year of dental school that I went home for, the, for a short summer break, and I told my parents, I am gay. Devastated my mom. Wow. And, you know, through that <clears throat> crisis, actually, God brought my mother to faith. And within a few months, my father did as well. Well, I went the complete opposite direction, wanted nothing to do with their, what I saw, crazy religion. I thought, good for you, not for me. And actually, my parents were about to get a divorce. So it wasn't just, you know, my my kind of uh, coming out to her. Uh, in her mind, you know, her life was falling apart and, and God was there to point her to the hope that we have in Christ. My father became a Christian. I went in the opposite direction. I was went back in Louisville, and I did what you know a twenty year old mid twenties would do, which was have fun, party. Mm -hmm. If you don't know Christ, live it up. And I started going out to the bars, clubs. Unfortunately, I also started experimenting with drugs. And and I want to be really clear for the listeners yes. that I'm I'm telling my story. I'm not saying all gay men do drugs. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all gay men are promiscuous. Certainly, some are. But there's the you know, there are those that also several that many that are not. But that is this is my story. And I started doing drugs and I started selling drugs as, as well while I was a, a dental student. Eventually, I was expelled from dental school and I then moved from Louisville to Atlanta. I kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was sell drugs. I became a supplier to other dealers in over a dozen states. And at this point, my parents had no clue that I was doing drugs, but they knew my biggest need was not to you know, stop being rebellious or to come home. But they knew my biggest need was to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Hmm. They they reached out to me. They came to visit me one time in Atlanta. And I told them to get out. And the funny thing, Dave, is they were not preaching at me. They weren't telling me I was living in sin. I knew what they believed. Hmm. 
They didn't have to repeat that. I knew what they believed. But just the fact that they had so radically transformed, that Christ had so radically transformed their lives, that they radiated Christ, that was offensive to me. And I told them to get out. And we hear the narrative today that Christian parents who believe in the word of God and have a high view of scripture don't try to argue away the passages that that you know are uncom- uncomfortable with, that those those parents evangelical parents cannot cannot love gay children you you see all the movies boy mm-hmm. race i mean there there's many more yeah and then you have to shed that ancient old fashioned narrow view to actually love gay children or become an unbeliever or be atheist but you know dave i had the exact opposite experience i my parents were not a christian were not christians and they rejected me it Hmm. wasn't until they became followers of christ that they did what god does he loves us while we were powerless while we were still sinners while we were enemies that's right from romans 5 Mm -hmm. and so uh, they came. I kicked them out. My dad, before he left, gave me his Bible. I'm like, I don't want this. He gave it to me anyway. As soon as they left, I threw it in the trash can. That's oh, how no. much I despised God, the word of God. Hmm. And it was so obvious after that visit that I was totally unreachable and completely hopeless. But praise the Lord, my parents did not focus upon hopelessness, but upon God's promises. And my mother began to pray a really, really bold prayer. God, do whatever it takes Mm. to bring this prodigal son to you. She began fasting every Monday for seven years. Every Monday. She enlisted 100 of her friends from church, from her Bible study fellowship group, to intercede on my behalf. Mm. She knew that it was going to take nothing short of a miracle to bring this prodigal son to him. And a miracle is exactly what God did. This miracle came with a bang on my door, opened up my door, Dave, and on my doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs. (laughs) (laughs) They confiscated my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. With that amount, I was facing 10 years to life in federal prison. Wow. So there I was in prison, a place I, I thought, you know, I would never be. Because, you know, when, you, when you're high on drugs, you think you're invincible. I was there and I was walking around the cell block and I passed by this garbage can. And I'm thinking, this is my life. I've destroyed my life. I started with a bright future and here I am among common criminals. Trash. Wow. I was just about to walk by that garbage can. But there was something on top of that trash that caught my eye. I went back, I bent over, I picked it up, and it was a Gideon's New Testament. I took it back to my cell. Mm. I began reading it. And, you know, the funny thing is we hear, I, I had heard, oh, the Bible, it is good news. Well, I was reading it, and what I was getting from it is it was actually convicting me. It was telling me I'm a sinner. It was telling me I've rebelled against my, the government that I'm supposed to submit to. It was telling me that I was not honoring my parents. And it was telling me that I, above all, was sitting against a holy God. And I'm thinking, man, why do people, this is just getting me down. Huh. I thought things couldn't get worse. Well, it did. I was called to the nurse's office and she gave me the news that I was HIV positive. I was wondering about that. 1970s, right? Yes, I mm-hmm. was HIV positive. Wow. A couple days after that, and I remember this, this was a couple days before Christmas, of all things, 1998. I was in my cell. I was, um, at that time, no one is was in the cell with me at that time. And I was laying there, looking up at the cold metal bunk above me, just thinking, I've completely messed up my life. Look up at the metal bunk. Someone had scribbled something. And it was amid all the graffiti, profanity. Someone had scribbled something. And I looked closely, and it said, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> For I know the yes. plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. It, I mean, it, it wasn't written all there, but I actually, it was just the verse. So, I mean, I got up out of my bed. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And I, and I went and there was just a pile of garbage in the corner. And I was like, okay, rubbish. And there was another Bible there because I, I didn't have the original Bible because they just moved me to this new cell. And I opened up and I read the whole context. And it was telling me about this Israel, this nation Israel, how they were in exile. And then God was saying, I still have a plan for you. And I'm going to call you out of exile. And I'm like, I'm in exile now. Mm. And if God could have a plan for someone in exile, I think God could have a plan for me, but I don't know where that plan was going to take me. But God gave me enough faith and enough strength to get through that one day and the next and the next. Well, my transformation was gradual. I wish I could tell everyone, man, you know, I just got down on my knees, said a sinner's prayer, and poof. <laughs> I'm, you know, no problems. Everything's wonderful. Everything's right. great. No, it took time. I had so many idols in my life, obviously drugs. But God slowly began to help me to relinquish those, pry my fingers off of my idols. But you know, Dave, the biggest idol that I just felt like I could not let go of, it was impossible, was my sexuality. So I went to a chaplain, asked him his opinion. And, you know, to my surprise, this prison chaplain, this trusted prison chaplain told me, and, I, and I, this is in confidence. So I went into the office all, you know, without anyone else. And I told him, told him about my past because I hadn't told anyone else. And he said, you know, actually the Bible does not condemn homosexuality. He got up, went to his bookshelf and he said, here, here's this book that explains that view. Well, my eyes were wide as saucers. I'm like, I'm thinking, man, great. <laughs> now I can find biblical justification for homosexuality. I can have my cake and eat it too. Who, who wants to change? I mean, this is who I am. God loves me. God made me this way, right? Uh, right. So I began reading that book. But, you know, and I, and I count this as a miracle. I read that book. You know what I had right beside it? The Word of God. Mm. As this author, this human author, began to mention scripture, and you know, I count this as a miracle because I'm, I'm this, I'm, I knew nothing about the Bible. Right. I was not a Christian. I was not a theologian. I was, I didn't never study the Bible. I was never raised in the church. But God miraculously just made, made me to read this human author's book with his word next to it. And as this author mentioned scripture, I would go back to the word of God Wow! and I would read the verse and I would read the context. You know, again, I, I've never took any hermeneutics classes, but I've been to college and I've been to graduate school and I knew I've got to read things in context <laughs> and I read it. And, and it was the Holy spirit that told me this man is distorting my word. And I wow. couldn't even finish it. I gave it back to the chaplain you know what that meant? I turned to the Bible alone. Mm. And I went through every verse, every chapter, every page of scripture looking for justification. The chaplain said, God blesses same-sex you know, relationships. I'm like, okay, if he says that, I want to read that for myself, not just take his word. Which is, again, I tell whenever I speak, I tell people, do not believe something simply because Christopher Yuan said it. Listen to what I say, but go back yourself Open up the word of God and compare what I say, what your pastor says, what any person says, and compare it to the only authority which we have, mm. the word of God. Wow. And, I, and I did that. And so I turned wow. to the word of God and I searched. Boy, I wanted everything inside of me wanted to find those words that would bless the same sex relationship. My flesh wanted it. Mm -hmm. My sinful mind wanted it. Everything wanted it. And I went looking for anything, a shred of evidence, and I couldn't find any. So I was a turning point. So I was at a turning point. Either abandon God in his word, live as a gay man, pursue a monogamous same-sex relationship, right? Mon monogamous same-sex relationship, a committed same-sex relationship. And by allowing my attractions, and this is important, by allowing my sexual and romantic attractions to dictate not only who I was, but also how I lived. Or abandon pursuing a so-called monogamous same-sex relationship, how by freeing myself from my sexuality, by not allowing my desires to control who I am and live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm. My decision day was clear and obvious. Praise God. I followed Jesus. 
Chris, for the days and the weeks. We've yeah. got we've got to take a break right now. It's, it's a great point to pause because now you made that transition. But I just want to reiterate something you said that I think is so pivotal in our Christian lives context when you're reading the Word of God. And you just didn't take another author's word for it. You went and said, you know what, I want to find this in Scripture. And you looked it up, and you were, this is amazing to me because you you hadn't read the Bible much before, and all of a sudden you're going, okay, I want to read this and see if this makes sense from a contextual perspective. It's just amazing to me if the church would do this today, our foundation would be so much stronger as uh, individual Christians. But I want to get to your book when we come back. The book is called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, uh, foreword by Rosaria Butterfield. And I want to uh, read a quote from her when we come back with Christopher Yuan on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So blessed to have Christopher Yuan with us today, and the book is called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Uh, Christopher, I was just looking at some of the people that uh, endorsed the book. J.D. Greer, Sean McDowell, Randy Alcorn, Eric Metaxas, Russell Moore, and the list goes on and on. I'm so amazed uh, by uh, just these men and and, uh, these people of God. I do want to quote Rosaria Butterfield, who wrote the foreword for your book. But before I do that, and I want to get obviously your thoughts on what she said, which I think was very profound. um, You mentioned when you were arrested um, that you could have received 10 years to life in prison. Um, And I know this is probably a continuation of your story, um, you got out way before that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. What happened? I did. You know, so um, I I was so you know after I God began really working on me and and renewing my mind and and seeing that uh, you know I was actually supposed to get ten years to life. Mm-hmm. I I was I was sentenced to six years, but um, it was those first couple years where God was you know, the, the, the chaplain gave me that wrong information. God in in his sovereignty, uh, led me to his truth through his word. But, you know, after that, I still was like, okay, if, if this is how I'm supposed to live, what is God calling me to? Because I, I kind of had heard some things from the church that, uh, you know, from Christians, well, you need to become straight. And I'm thinking, okay, if I (laughs) have to go from, you know, Opposite sex attractions, same sex, or same sex attractions, opposite sex attractions. Um, but as I kept reading, you know, because I was like, I need to go to God's word. I, I went to God's word and I saw the Bible actually is also condemning a lot of heterosexual sins. Yes. Even lust, you know, lusting after. I'm a man if I lust after a woman. And I'm like, but that's that would be considered heterosexual. And I realized, man, that's too ambiguous. And isn't that so for today, Dave? We are living in a world of infinite shades of gray, not just 50, right? Right, (laughs) exactly. It's so many shades of gray. And we can no longer be ambiguous. We have to be laser sharp focused on what is it exactly that God is calling us to. And I realize that heterosexuality actually is not the goal. That's too broad. Yes. And what is it? It's holy sexuality. God is calling everyone to holy sexuality. And so I kind of introduced that concept in the the first book that I wrote with my mom because I I it was through prison that God was revealing this to me as I was reading through God's word. Again, coming back to God's word, you know, people today are like, man, I don't have enough time to read the Bible. Well, you know what? God gave me enough time to read the Bible. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) And now people are at home shut in during this coronavirus crisis around the country. A lot of people. What a great opportunity. Yeah, we have more time on our hands, some of us. And uh, so I think this is a great time to get back to the word of God. Please continue, Christopher. Yes. Yeah. So, I was in the Word of God, and He revealed to me God's calling us all, not just some. He's calling us all to holiness, holy sexuality, chastity and singleness, or faithfulness in marriage. And um, so it was uh, through this process that God actually called me to full-time ministry while I was in prison. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was kind of during this this time when He specifically called me to that, that um, miraculously God shortened my sentence from six years to three years, which is really almost unheard of. So I, wow. um, I, that was when I thought, well, man, if I'm going to go into ministry, I, I got to learn more about the Bible. <laughs> so while in prison, I called home. I asked my mom and dad to mail me an application to Moody Bible Institute, only because that was the only Bible college I had ever heard of. And it's in our hometown, Chicago. 
Uh, and I always tell people that, that, like, I told my parents that, and there was silence. Like, they, they didn't, they, there was nothing on the other line because I think they both dropped their Were phones. Were they shocked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so I, I went to Moody, and then uh, after that, um, went on to get my master's in exegesis because I was like, man, I, I, I need to study the Bible in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew. Um, and then went on to get my doctorate and uh, had the blessing of co-authoring a book with my mom. And then with that concept of holy sexuality, which is just a chapter, a short chapter in that first book. And I always knew I needed to flesh that out mm-hmm. uh, and, and really fully articulate this, not just this concept, but also a theology of sexuality. We have a lot of excellent books. Um, for example, uh, Kevin DeYoung uh, has written on, on the passages, and that's kind of a smaller book. Uh, you have kind of some bigger books, uh, Robert Gagnon, um, also The Flame of Yahweh, uh, you know, Old Testament that, that touch on these. But um uh, and, you know, touch on the different biblical p- passages, but actually having a theology, looking at systematic theology and biblical theology and how that informs our understanding of mm. sexuality, not just what is God's no, because that's important, but what is God's yes to sexuality? Mm. And that yes. is chastity and singleness, faithfulness and marriage. So um, that, that book came out and uh, it was just a really, a, 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 my hope was that it would be, um, uh, something that would be uh, to equip the church, especially specifically the local church uh, and for pastors. As out of a far country. We'll uh, put a link to that book as well in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. You said something earlier, and I do want to uh, come back to this point that you made about uh, just the, the fact that it that any kind of sexual desire apart from what's in Scripture is sin, and we have kind of given a pass to the sin of adultery in mm. America. I know pornography has played so much into this hypersexuality we're seeing lived out and promoted, and as you said earlier, celebrated in our society. But adultery, I believe, this is just my personal opinion without all the stats and figures to back it up. I think adultery really, our acceptance of it, so to speak, in the church, or our looking the yeah. other way, I should say, that paved the way for the LGBT to say, well, this is sexual sin. Ours is sexual sin. So why? then it opened up our hypocrisy, right? When we, when, I, when we were totally saying agree. homosexuality is the worst of sins, well, wait a minute. What have we been justifying all these years? Um, you say something in your book that you talk about same-sex behavior is sin. Lust is sin. And you know what Jesus said about even if a man looks at a woman with lust in her heart, but you seem to clear away the fog by sticking to biblical terminology that is desire, temptation, and sin nature. So please break that down for us and explain what you mean when you say that all desire has an end. Yeah, you know, it's it's what we what we need to realize again, as I said earlier, is that I think it's just our human nature to uh, tend to not be so clear and be ambiguous. And, and, and what we end up doing is we end up muddying the water. And I'm talking about Christians here. Uh, so for example, um, you know, you may have even heard me before, uh, just a little bit ago, I, you know, I, I say same-sex attractions. And that's, that's because I think that's the most people use those terms. But when we really want to dig deep, and when we want to kind of understand fully, and we hear people that uh, say same-sex attractions are not sinful, and then other people who say no, same-sex attractions are sinful. I think, unfortunately, and I've uh, I've been involved in and heard a lot of these debates. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem is we aren't first of all defining our terms. Second when there is already an existing biblical term, then use that or a biblical concept. And what do I mean? So attraction is nowhere to be found in the Bible. Right. It's not, not there. So when people, and when they say same-sex attractions, well, what is it exactly that you're talking about? I believe maybe some people, when they say uh, same-sex attractions, they just mean the temptation. But I think attraction has a broader semantic range than simply a temptation. 
For example, the Bible also mentions desire. Mm -hmm. That's that's a a very common term in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I thought, well, okay, if we're going to be having these discussions about the morality of attraction, same-sex attractions, let's just, like you say, clear away the fog and bring much more uh, precision to our conversation when it comes in. Let's just use same-sex temptations and same-sex desires. Yes. Well, then I and then they, and then here I am. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm very. I, I love categories, and I love to kind of just um, in, instead of blurring the lines, I like to bring kind of clear demarcation. But I thought, well, I mean, even the word desire, even the temptation, that's that's kind of broad. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of desires? I mean, I could have a, a desire for uh, you know for a guy next door to be his friend and to share the gospel with him. That's a good desire. But if it turns into some other type of desire, like if I, I want to be a, a good friend for him, that's a good desire. But if I want, if that desire turns romantic or sexual, well, then that is not a good desire. So I realize that our desires need to be defined. And so they're either sexual or romantic or they're platonic. But even as I thought further, well, desires always have uh, something or someone in mind, an object. That's where I come to come to this uh, conclusion that all desires have an end. Now, end mm. has multiple meanings. End means like stop, uh, but end could also mean you know the actual uh, the the goal or the the landing spot, if you want. All our desires have an end in mind. So let's let's just take for example. Um, your wife just made you a, a nice chocolate cake and you're looking at that and you're like, I want that. that is, that's a desire. Well, what's the end of that desire? The end of that desire is that chocolate cake. But, but again, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this through. It's not just that, that my desire is the cake. I want to do something to that cake. And what is that? I want to eat it. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a purpose behind that desire as well. So let's apply that to people. So if I, um, I, I'm not married, but if I had a daughter, um, let's just say I was married and I had a daughter, uh, my wife and I had a daughter. Um, uh, let's say I have a desire for my daughter. Is that good or bad? Well, you it define that. on the purpose. Yeah, you <laughs> yes. need to define that end. So if my desire is to treat her like, uh, the, you know, a, a child of God, a daughter of the King of Kings, and to teach her to fear the Lord, uh, you know, and to teach her to love Jesus. Though that's my desire, that's a very good desire. However, if that desire turns into a sexual desire, the purpose that then makes that desire bad. If the end is wrong, that also makes the desire wrong. So if that end, the purpose, the action that I want to do, even though I haven't done it, is wrong. How do I know that? From Matthew chapter 5. I, I'm, I'm, again, going back to the Word of God. I don't want to say anything that the Word of God does not. I, want, I don't want to become extra biblical. I want to be biblical. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, if a man looks lustfully after a woman... In other words, if he, you know, if he, if he just desires to have sex with her, even though he hasn't even committed that, he in in this is considered already sin. That is already considered adultery because he desired it. If the end is wrong, mm-hmm. then the desire is wrong as well. So that's where I, I get this. You know, if we want to get really technical, I, I, I say desire is teleological from the Greek word telos, meaning end. Mm-hmm. There, all our desire has an end. So that is how we determine what is a good desire, what is a bad desire. So if I have a desire for, again, I'm not married, but if I have a desire for my wife and it and is romantic and sexual, that's a good desire. Yeah. Why? Because the action is blessed by God. Amen. However, if I was a man and if I saw a young lady, but, but let's just say, again, say, you know, there's a hypothetical. I, I am married, let's just say, but I desire um, my neighbor's wife or, you know, I teach at Moody and there's a woman there that, that I desire. Uh, that's not a good desire ever, mm-hmm. even, even if I don't have sex. Because a lot of times people say, well, what about uh, two men, and they were to uh, be in a, uh, a 
committed relationship. You know, oftentimes they call it uh, like a spiritual friendship, which is marriage without the sex. Would that be blessed by God? Well, if the end is wrong, regardless of whether you've done the action, then、mm. the desire and everything before that is wrong as wow. well. It's right from Matthew chapter five. So it's.、Um, You know, it, this really helps us through to understand sexuality much better、uh, when we go to the Word of God and we actually help us, you know, to kind of develop this this theology of sexuality of, of defining our terms using biblical terminology. Yes, and the subtitle of your book, "Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story." When you were explaining that, I was thinking we all have. We are all tempted in certain ways. We all have desires that we shouldn't act upon, and、yes. so we can all relate to that. It just doesn't have to necessarily be sexual sin. But I think this ties in well with what you were saying, Christopher、uh, Rosaria Butterfield. In the foreword of your book, says this is an issue only for not only for those who struggle with same-sex attractions or for those who love someone who identifies as LGBTQ. This is an issue for all of us. We all must wage holy war. Against the idols of our hearts, and then she、mm-hmm. says something very interesting. The idol of our historical, her historical epoch is this: your sexual desires define you, determine you, and should always delight you. And isn't that what our culture is being sold? Young children today, isn't that what they're being sold? That their desires or their sexuality. It, let's face it, there is a, a religion of sex that seems to be pretty powerful in this country right now. It that's totally right, and because you know this this is coming from we're really bearing the bad fruit of post modernity. I would even say it's the rotten fruit yes, of post modernity. Absolutely, it's the, it's the rotten fruit of romanticism. It's the rotten fruit of existentialism, where and romanticism, you know, in the mid eighteen hundreds, is all about your emotions, devoid of God. It was all about <clears throat> celebrating. Uh, feelings and desires and and your emotions and and then existentialism is is all about you know kind of living and and doing and you know that now that's how you kind of create your own self worth and identity and we're living that right now post modernity we're now you know there's no absolutes that is、uh, if, if there's no absolutes if there's no truth if the, if there's no purpose we need to create our own purpose we need to. Create our own desires, and if there's no truth,、mm. well, then we we base our identity on our emotions and our desires. Wow, that's why our desires are so elevated. You know, we we know from from the Reformation, sola scriptura, right? That's our battle cry.、Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's turned from sola scriptura. It's now. Sola experientia. Yes, it's our experience reigns supreme. Our experience is God. And and that's the culture that we're we're living in, which which for me makes me even more want to be able to share the hope that we have in Christ. It it, it kind of it really breaks my heart more than it. I mean, it definitely angers me, but it breaks my heart to realize that so many people like myself in the past have been deceived by the、mm. world. It's so easy、mm. to、uh, get pulled into because these are strong desires. Yes, and if the world is saying this is who you are, I'm my flesh is going to say, of course, of course it is. Yes, of course this is who you are.、Mm. Oh, I love that. Now we got to take a break again, Christopher. But I love what you just said. And I'm going to quote you: "Sola experientia." Did I say that right? Yes, <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> because we are ruled and run. By our feelings, our experiences, and we kind of—it's easier to disregard truth, right? And absolute truth, yes, when, when, exactly. And just be run by our feelings and emotions. That's what we see too many people、uh, operating on today. So we've got to come back and talk more about holy sexuality and the gospel. That's Christopher's book, and、uh, I just love this time that we have with you today.、Uh, ChristopherYuan dot com. If you want to check out his website. A lot of great information there. He's written some other books as well, and you can、uh, talk to him about、uh, speaking. I'm sure you're doing a lot of video、uh, events coming up in the near future. We'll talk more with Christopher when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now back to today's Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo. 
We've got on the line Christopher Yuan. He's an author, Bible professor, bearer of Christ, and the book we're talking about is just fascinating and very important, I think, to get out there to people, especially in this um, culture that we're in today where everything is hypersexualized. It's called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Uh, Christopher, let's just go right to one of the the questions I wanted to ask you that will help us when we know someone who is gay, lesbian, uh, I know a lot of people that have a family member or a relative mm. who is a, either gay or lesbian and now even transgender. And that's a whole nother discussion when it comes to creation and, and gender and God's design and, and how yeah. he how he made us. But, um, for example, there's a debate on how you should handle a same sex wedding ceremony. I don't want to call it marriage <laughs> necessarily, but I'll call it a same sex a ceremony should a Christian family or Christian friends attend that? Hey, there's an easy one for you, huh? No, man. This is always <laughs> one of the hardest. Yeah. Not so much in answering, but it's hard because it's one of those things that will make or break the relationship. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think it's thinking through, uh, again, going to the Word of God. The Word of God has elevates marriage to, it's not just, a wedding is not just a ceremony. A marriage is not just a, a, a typical relationship. The Bible begins with marriage, Genesis 2, the first wedding. The Bible ends with a marriage, Revelation 19. And then throughout the Bible, through the pages of Scripture, Old Testament and the New Testament, we have so many examples of marriage. As a matter of fact, we even have in the Old Testament where our Father, Yahweh, Jehovah, is, is portrayed as the groom and Israel is viewed as the rebellious harlot, as mm -hmm. the adulteress. Then we have the New Testament where Paul in Ephesians calls, says, you know, calls this the mystery, the great mystery of marriage is really, it's a reflection of the ultimate reality, which is Christ and the church. Yes. So it's, it, we, we can't, we, we should never trivialize something that God holds up uh, with high regard. So what do you do? Um, you know, I would say if it's a friend, it's a little easier. You know, I mean, I have a lot of times when, when I get, you know, invitations and it's like, I just, I just can't go. It's, it's a, when it's kind of a more distant relative or friend. But if you're, if it's your son or daughter, if it's your brother's brother or sister, it's a bit harder to say, oh, I've, you know, I've got something going on that <laughs> week, right? right? It's hard to say that. But and yet I need to be bound by the word of God. I, I can't celebrate anything that, that God does not celebrate. And, and, you know, so I thought this through and I thought, how can we be full of grace and full of truth where we need to communicate what is it that we believe? Not simply, you know, do our loved ones know what we believe? Not simply that this is not God's will, but more importantly, that Jesus Christ is the one that gives us hope, even when there's hopelessness, who can bring, he does what man sees as impossible. So that's important for, for our, our friends and loved ones to know. But second, do they know that we still love them? And, um, you know, because obviously if you don't go, it's clear what you believe, but it will be misunderstood by them that you love them. If you do go, oh boy, it's clear you love them, but it could be misunderstood what you believe. Yes. How can we, you know, do this? So here's something that I think might be kind of a, uh, something that, that could be able to do both. You know, so the ceremony is something that I think uh, I would personally have such a hard time sitting through because I know this is not something that God blesses. Yes. So I would say this might be something that I would do. And I suggest parents as well. Uh, you know, don't go to the ceremony, but maybe be there for the weekend and maybe be there for the dinner. Mm-hmm. A dinner is, is not the, the reception. And I always jokingly say, you know, it's a free dinner. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but I will be very intentional even with my actions. I mean, throughout the, mm, that's good. the, the dinner, there's going to be elements uh, where they're going to be very clearly giving assent to the relationship of the two people. For example, uh, let's say a toast, you know, a toast to the, the couple. Um, I would not begrudgingly, but I would just sit that one out. Um, 
even thinking about a gift that I would give to the, the couple, I would not get them one gift. Why? Because that's for the couple. Yes. However, I would get them two individual gifts, one for each person. And that, that clearly defines, I'm not blessing the relationship, but I am going to um, affirm the goodness of each person. Not that they're gay, but the goodness that they're created in God's image. That's a great idea. And that idea. I love them, even in the midst of them rejecting God wow. and and e even them living in sin. This is why it's so important looking to the Word of God, Romans 5. I love that chapter. We love jo John John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. That's a wonderful chapter. But I think I don't think we can understand John chapter 3 without understanding Romans chapter 5. Yes. That God loved us when? While we were powerless. And it goes on even further, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, no, not only did God love us while we were powerless, he loved us while we were still. That word still is so power, is so strong. Still sinners and while we were enemies. Mm. And I'm going to love people in that same way. Yes. Wow, that's powerful. And what one of the things uh, that I take away from that is you can still support them and love them without endorsing the ceremony. I think that's a great idea. What a great balance. I in my opinion, to just go to the reception, get them separate gifts. Th that, I think, that's, there's a lot of wisdom in that, Christopher. And what you said about how can we be full of grace and truth. Of course, John one fourteen, Jesus was the ultimate, the perfect example of that balance of mm -hmm. grace and truth. So final, well, we may get to more, but uh, if this is the final question about operating in grace and truth, just like Christ our example and our our Lord and Savior, uh, you put a lot of emphasis on the local church as the yes. main uh, focus for how to minister to people who are LGBTQ, who have same-sex attractions, particularly those who are struggling with them and want to uh, be Christians. So how can we approach this and be better as the body of Christ? Yeah, you know, Dave, I think what I see now, um, especially, you know, in our younger generation, that there's this tendency, and, I, and I'm saying younger generation of Christians, uh, not, not in uh, them being new Christians, but in the sense of younger in age, <clears throat> that there's this tendency where people correctly say the church is not a building. Yes, that is correct. Then they say, uh, so it's not a building, uh, but it's people. And so therefore, um, you know, uh, you know, going to church, you know, I don't have to go to church on Sunday because I have my friends and my friends, we are the church. The huge mistake with that is, uh, and I tell my students at Moody, you know, you and your friends, you're not the church. You're part of the church you are members of the church and if i could even be bold enough i would say you aren't the body of christ but you and your friends you're a bunch of right thumbs or you're a bunch of noses or a bunch of ears because you're all the same and what we need is the full body of christ we need the diversity of the body it's so important we cannot denigrate and i think sometimes too too long uh, too too often um Christian organizations, parachurch organizations are more para than they are church. Parachurch <laughs> organizations should be organizations that actually very intentionally mm. and continually and persistently point people to the church, meaning the local church of believers that has a pastor or pastors as the head guiding them and teaching them. And, and I think for, for, for a long time, uh, ministries that focus on same-sex attractions have not done that and have, in mm. essence, kind of pulled people away into their support groups, which I think support groups, I've, having groups are, are good. Having small groups, you know, discussion groups, those are helpful. But if they are almost pulling people away from the church, I think that can be problematic. So I, mm. I always want to point people back to the church because, again, looking to the Word of God, same-sex uh, desires are sinful. The temptations are not, but they're rooted in our sin, and they can quickly lead to sin. Same-sex behavior are, are sinful. And so that means that sin is the problem. And if sin is the problem, 
I know that Jesus Christ is the answer, not Jesus plus, but it's Jesus Christ, which also means if Jesus Christ is the answer, that means that the body of Christ is part of that answer as well. Amen. So where do we find freedom from our sin, freedom from uh, the temptations that we might struggle with? We find that in Christ and the best context that God has given to us to wrestle with our own flesh is the body of Christ. And so my answer is actually pointing people to be very involved in the church. I, I, I tell people, you can't just go to church. I, I, you know, we have to be members of a church because that means I am committing to this body of believers hmm. to not just be discipled to help with my own issues, but I'm going to disciple others as well. If yes. we're not being discipled and discipling others, Amen. We're not fulfilling the Great Commission. Oh, Lord, if we could get back to that, what you just said, and the, the simplicity of that. It does take work. It does take discipline. And it's, at times it's inconvenient, but that's what we are to sacrifice and, and bear one another's burdens. If we could get back to that, my goodness, the church, at least in America, would look so very different. Christopher Yuan, thank you so much. The book is called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. We'll have the link at standardforthetruth.com in today's podcast notes. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me on this morning, Dave. You're most welcome. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about our guests the rest of this week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. Uh, tomorrow we've got a special guest. You will hear from Laura Perry, and she's a former transgender. The title of her book, From, from Transgender to Truth. And actually, no, the book is called Transgender to Transformed. And uh, we'll talk, uh, we'll, you'll hear from Laura tomorrow. Pastor Carl Gallups will give us a pastor's perspective on COVID-19 and uh, obeying the government and what we do in this really divided society politically and in so many different ways. Pastor Carl Gallups on Thursday and then Friday, Heidi St. John, the busy mom, will be back with us. She's been going out to some of these uh, protests, and I know she's in Washington State. Uh, we'll get an update from her on religious freedom and uh, what's going on in the great uh, North uh, West. What do you call that? West Coast, Northwest Coast. Anyway, um, thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. We've got uh, so we are so blessed to have some of the guests that we have, and I learn every time we do a podcast. I learn from uh, so many different people what a blessing it is that they enrich our lives and uh, we get encouragement from that and wisdom on how to respond to what's going on in our culture today. So God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. And always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.